Throughout this series, we've explored situations in which suffering was circumstantial, or medical, or relational. But today we tap into something unique, when the suffering is environmental, when our environment itself is what's causing the suffering. And this is a reality for many in the world. Throughout human history, many have suffered because of where they lived and who they were in that space. And it can be difficult to know how to navigate that, particularly if you can't leave. Our guest Nikki was fortunate in that when he was a child, his father recognized that as Christians, they needed to leave Iran. And while they were able to escape what they knew would become an even more oppressive space, Nikki has come to learn that suffering is actually a part of life and one that should not only not be avoided, but that can bring value. You're listening to episode 146 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for creating this space now for Nikki and I to connect to people that we just never would have connected otherwise likely, but we really believe that you are at work and that you're always creating amazing opportunities to reveal who you are, but also to reveal what you have for us. And so I want to give this conversation to you with that in mind, that we could come to the table with our own thoughts, with our own questions, with our own responses, but we want to release all that to you and just invite you to guide our words, guide our thoughts, because we know you could do abundantly more. And so we thank you for the privilege of being able to just talk about you. But we also thank you for the excitement of what you can do as a result. Let's pray in most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Nikki, I'm really excited to be able to connect with you. I've heard a little bit about your story, but to be able to hear more is just, uh, I'm excited about that. But before we jump in, what would you want people to know about who you are as we start this conversation? Well, I'm originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. And when I was a young boy, the Islamic Revolution happened in Iran. And my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall. And he decided this was not going to be a great place for him to raise his Christian family. So he got us out of Iran, and eventually we settled in Canada. I've been here in Canada since 1982, with the exception of a two-year stretch that I went to Georgetown University. Mm -hmm and another stretch of a few months where I went back to the Middle East to Dubai. But other than that, I've been in Canada this entire time. And I'll tell you, I thank God for what my father did every single day. My father could see that it would be better to live in freedom than to live in tyranny. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've been following the news, my friend, but Iran has been going through what looks like a second Iranian revolution. A few weeks ago, a young Iranian girl a woman actually named Mahsa Amini, 22 years old, was arrested for the crime of going outside with her hair uncovered. Mm. And the morality police, the so-called morality police, beat her to death. Wow. And there have been dramatic protests going on ever since. Over 200 other young women and young teenage girls have fought and died for the principle of freedom in Iran. You know, what you bring to the table is... A unique element in this space of talking about sitting and suffering when we're trying to seek God and things get hard because for a lot of folks that I've talked to, they've always been in a space where being a Christian was fine, <laughs> was maybe even expected. And what you've just shared is your family was navigating the space where being a Christian was actually a risk. 
So yeah, share a little more about that. This the reality of to actually even be a Christian could be the reason that you're suffering. Well, in much of the world, that's the case. I mean, right now, if you're a Christian in Nigeria, man, that's rough. The jihadis, the Islamic jihadis there will try to kill you for that. And in all over the world, Christians are being persecuted. Yeah. I'm a live and let live kind of a man myself, but it's shocking to me how much disdain there is for Christians and Christianity in the world today. You know, you were young when all this was happening. Tell me a little bit how you came to understand God in deeper ways from, you know, what you were taught as a kid to witnessing, you know, the family having to transition out to how you understand him now. How did that navigation through suffering shift your understanding of who God is and how he works? Honestly, brother, I'm not sure I understand how he works mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. But I realized that there was a point after which God said that he's going to give us free will as human beings. And if we have free will, we get to make our own decisions. And in the world, there's a lot of poor decisions being made right now, that's for sure, amongst a lot of people. But for me, I'll lead back to growing up. My father was a great example of God working his will through us. My father was an entrepreneur. He's a great man. If you were looking for a job, he'd help you find a job. If you were looking to start a business, He'd help set you up in business, even if you were going to compete with him. He didn't care about that. He just wanted to help people. Yeah. And if you worked for him and you wanted to buy a car, a house, or an apartment, he'd help you do that. And you might think, my God, who would do that? Who would buy somebody a car, a house, an apartment, or at least help them buy one? Well, the late great Napoleon Ballou would. And why? Well, two reasons. First of all, he was a Christian. He'd been blessed by God, and he believed it was his obligation to share those blessings. Secondly, he was an entrepreneur. He had the financial means to do that. And to me, God worked through my dad. He taught me what goodness looked like, what taking care of your family looked like, what getting out there and making a difference for other people looked like. That's how I learned to be a good human being, through my father. And my father, I, I believe, was sent to me by God to teach me that. Yeah. Man, that had to be a really hard season for him because... He was trying to live a life honoring to God. He was trying to love others and love his neighbor. And he was establishing a home, a career, family. And then he gets to this point where he realizes, I feel like we need to leave. And he's having to navigate now, leaving the life he knows, which in scripture, we see that often, this call to leave the life you know, the land you know, but also to not just do it with himself, but to take his family. And did he ever process that with you as you got older, what that season was like for him? Dad wasn't the kind of man to do that. You know, he was a man who kind of led life. And by example, you learned. Hmm. He would share lessons with you, with me and with my brothers. But honestly, I learned the most from watching. Yeah. Those lessons sank in through watching him. And he wasn't someone to get up and talk about God. That wasn't his thing. Hmm. For him, it was an expression in his day-to-day, -day, how he interacted with others. Yeah, it was day-to-day -day life. Yeah. He was an old school man of action, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. I got into business. I'm an entrepreneur myself. I see a lot of business owners. They're good people. Mm -hmm. They want to make a difference, especially Christian business owners, but they're scared. They're thinking, oh, it's not godly to try to make money. It's not godly to ask for a sale. I don't want to be seen as a pushy person, as a person that's all about themselves. You know, I don't want to reek of commission breath. I saw that a lot. And I just thought to myself, you know, I want to help these folks. 
And what if I could help them, for example, look at selling as service, as caring, as love, yeah. you know, and nobody wants to be sold by anybody, but everybody wants to be served and cared for and loved and advocated for. So that's one of the things I teach people inside the work that I do is how to come from service rather than from selling. Mm -hmm. The selling's a yucky word. Service is a lovely word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, suffering can come from a number of places, a loss, an illness, a job change. But what you're describing is a space that it carries a lot of weight because it's bigger than just you or your family. You're talking about being in an oppressive environment, right? Yes. And that the suffering comes from being in a space that doesn't just impact you, but could impact an entire nation. And, and we see this through scripture, right? So many times where the Israelites were under the control of an oppressive nation. And there are times when individuals were called to stay in that space, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and times when they were called to leave, like when Moses was sent to bring the Israelites out. You know, you've described that in the world, there are people that may be navigating this space right now. They feel like who they are is a risk because they are in a space that is oppressive to the point where it's trying to control who they are. And so what do you feel like God's taught you about how to navigate that space? When to know that God is inviting you to stay and how you do so, and when to know when God is inviting you to leave and how you do that? Well, that's a great question. I mean, the clues of God speaking to me are there all the time. If I did something and it wasn't the right thing to do, that'll become pretty apparent. Hmm. I just led an event, which I thought was a spectacularly great event. I thought we did a great job, but we had a fellow in the event that was the wrong fellow. And he messed up some of the relationships in there and just went around getting upset at how we did things and bad mouthing us. And it hurt us, hurt our business. And so I just thought that's a lesson from God. Be careful who you let into your space. There's some people who just don't belong in your space, for whatever reason. God gives me lessons, you know, gives, I think, everyone lessons. You go through life, you're going to know whether a path is a good path for you to be on or not based on what unfolds. I believe that's how God teaches us. Hmm. I feel like there's, when we think about Joseph, for example, part of what we can glean from that story is he had to learn to be attentive to what God might've been saying, what God might've been doing, but he had to do so sometimes when on a human level, it wasn't clear, right? Like in our minds, when we're seeking God, then things work out, right? But in Joseph's story, he was trying to honor God and his actions in his life, kind of like you said with your dad, that his actions reflected what God had taught him. And yet he kept finding himself in hard situations, being accused falsely, being imprisoned. What about those moments when you are seeking God, when you are hearing from God and things are still hard? Things are always hard, brother. Things are always hard. Life is... I mean, this doesn't come from the Christian tradition as much, but I mean, I studied the words of the Buddha and he said, life is suffering. And I think he's right. Life is suffering. Life is not meant to be a bowl of roses and cherries and sunshine and lollipops. Anybody who thinks that isn't living in the real world. But God will let you know if a path is the correct path for you to take based on, you know, the results that show up in your life. If I was intended to have a certain person in my life, to teach me a lesson, that's what happened this time. But if I learn my lesson, then that person doesn't need to be in my life anymore, or that kind of person doesn't need to be in my life anymore. 
a different kind of person is going to come into my life. But life is about adversity. You know, you're never going to go through life and have everything in every moment of the day turn out to be perfect. If you did, there'd be no need for you to be here on earth. You'd be in another place called heaven because that's what it's like there. It's not what it's like here. Yeah. Life on earth is suffering, man. Every Christian needs to understand that. You know, your family felt a call to leave Iran. I imagine there are probably other Christian families that didn't receive that same call. Is there... They'd all leave if they could, brother. Yeah. <laughs> They'd all leave if they could. So did you <laughs> oh, yeah. have any relationship with any families or any individuals that that was their story, that they weren't able to leave and that their invitation was to stay in that space? There's many people who aren't able to leave in a country like Iran for a variety of reasons, you know? financial being one of them, family relationships that they have in there that aren't so easy for them to abandon. Absolutely. You know, our family, my father, he was prescient. He wanted to take action. He knew he had relatives he was going to leave behind, but he was ready to do that. Yeah. Now, 10 years later, dad went back to Iran, you know, and he just went back and forth between Canada and Iran, but we stayed here. Mm. The pull of relationships and networks is very hard. Yeah. It's not so easy to abandon all those. Yeah, But, you know, living in a tyranny, living in a country where folks are saying they're following the tenets of Islam, which only on a surface level they were, on a deeper level they were just following the tenets of evil, wasn't a great place. So what does it look like then for Christians who have to remain, who can't leave because of family? What does it look like for them to continue to be authentic in their relationship with God? even if their environment is... I can't answer that question, brother. Mm. I can't answer that question. I'm not there. I'm not living their life. I'm not living their story. Yeah, It'd be speculation, and I don't like to speculate. But I can tell you, for me, coming to Canada was great, but it was also tough. I didn't know anybody here. Yeah, My family didn't know anybody here. And the culture was dramatically different from Iran. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to acclimatize to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That really is what it is. Yeah. I had a hard time being here for almost a decade. Mm. But a decade into being in Canada, it finally started to be like, okay, I'm used to life here now. You know, I'm used to living here now. And I made it uh, my new life. Yeah. I was away from religion, all religion, for a long time. Because what happened in Iran just made me think, oh my God, if this is what happens when religious people get power, mm. pull me away from religion. But my mom went to church every week still, and and my brothers, you know, they lived a godly life. And for me, what was beautiful about that was that I never fully went away. Mm. I was in a phase, like a lot of young men and young boys go, you know, there's a few phases you go in life. And one of them is where you, you need to pull away. You need to start to discover who you are. I had to pull away. I had to start to discover who I was. Mm -hmm. But the more I went through life, the more I started to realize that the answer was God. The answer wasn't me trying to figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. I had a client come to us who was very devout as a Christian. And he would just talk to me. And I could just see, yeah, he's right. And it was time for me to go back and bring God back into my life. And that was just a few years ago when that happened. Mm -hmm. So... I went through a lot of life with a love-hate relationship with my religion. Yeah. But I see the value of it. I see the beauty of it. And Christianity, to me, is the one true religion of God. When you made a really powerful point there, too, you know, could somebody could hear there is a season where I kind of stepped away or I wasn't really engaged with religion, and they can hear that and think of that as a negative thing. 
But you said something really powerful that really explains why that would make sense. Because as you noted, you saw the negative impact of religion navigated in an unhealthy way. You saw the negative impact when somebody uses religion as a means to power rather than a means to actually honoring God. And when you see the negative impact of something like that, it's understandable that you would want to create some distance. This has actually been a conversation that I've heard many, many times. You know, somebody experiences that in a church where the pastor does something really negative or the church itself does something really negative. And then they have to wrestle with this idea of, well, do I even want this in my life? But I love how you put it that ultimately, even if you were trying to figure things out, God remained present. Yeah. And it really points out this reality that we could treat Christianity as an informational thing, but really it's a relational thing. It it's the God of the universe who created us, seeing us, knowing us, and loving us, and remaining with us, even as we're <laughs> tossed to and fro by the waves. And so I think there is something to be said about those seasons in our life where we have those hard questions. And we're not sure, not just how to respond, but even if we want to respond, but man, how beautiful it is that God is faithful and that in your own life, you know, you had the start of your story of seeing God's faithfulness through your father in his life, but also through his life. And now you're in a space where you've come back to a place of, you know what, I can see God more accurately now and I want to be with him. And it doesn't mean that everything in between wasn't good. Everything in between was a part of your journey and has honed you. And so that being said, you've seen the negative ways that people can use religion or Christianity or whatever it is. How has that shaped how you now go and love God and love others? For me, I see God as the way. And when I focus on God, in his teachings, then a path becomes open and clear for me. When I don't, then it doesn't. I get into trouble when I take my eye off of God and off of Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm doing well when I keep focusing on what they want for me, which is to stop distracting myself with the craziness of the modern world. I don't know about you, but one of my distractions is I get too deep into social media and surfing the web and all that kind of crap. Mm. Even when I have a busy day, during my breaks, I take my phone to the bathroom for crying out loud and mm. scroll through a website or a social media site. And that's fine, but I ought to really look at that and limit that because that's not designed to have me get closer to God and to my soul. That's designed to get some people some clicks and eyeballs and dollars. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These are questions I wrestle with. They're not things I've got pat answers for. Mm -hmm. I mean, in business, I can answer any question you have around business and how to succeed, how to grow business. Those answers flow quickly, naturally, easily. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable in that domain. I'm not comfortable in this domain at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's a danger when we get a little too comfortable. Like that's what we see with the Pharisees in scripture is they got to a place where they felt fully confident that they knew exactly everything that needed to be known and exactly how they needed to operate. 
And what it actually caused them to do is to not live out what scripture called them to, which is to love God and love others. They were actually dishonoring others and dishonoring God to the point of killing the son of God, the very person that they claim to serve. Amen. This is why pride is talked about so much in scripture. When we have pride, it can cause us to position ourselves above others and in the worst moments above God. And so I think, you know, what you just said is important. This acknowledgement that you can ask me questions about this area of expertise, but man, when it comes to these questions of God and living a life following him, there are going to be some things that I don't know. And that humility allows us to actually seek God instead of our own understanding. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's what humility allows us to do. And then we just take our next best step forward, right? <laughs> with what we do know, realizing that just as how you understood God when you were a kid is different than how you understand him now, you know, 20 years from now, you'll have a deeper understanding of who God is. You'll look back to this time, not with shame or regret, but say, huh, I knew about this much, but now I know about this much. And when I get to eternity, (laughs) I'm going to understand God in a far deeper way than I could ever understand him now. And so, you know, it's this journey. And, you know, it's beautiful to see how God can use our stories and our experiences and our environments to hone our understanding of him. So again, your story is unique because you have experience with being in an oppressive space and you're able to recognize, wow, what some people understand as oppression, I actually understand at a deeper level or I see in a more nuanced way or I have experiential understanding of it. And that shapes it. How you read the scriptures about the Israelites being under oppressive control is going to be different than how I read it because I've always lived in America and it was always expected or understood that I might be a Christian and that would be fine if I was, right? Like, so you bring something to the table that I couldn't bring to the table, which is why I think God calls us to community. And so that's just an amazing thing. Yeah, Paul, absolutely. 100%. I've gone through a lot of adversity in my life. I went through a divorce that was at the time seemingly out of the blue. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't want it. Well, my then wife didn't want to be with me anymore. Mm. And I went into a massive blame mode. And it took me a long time to give up blaming her. Long, long time. When I stopped blaming her, it was like God lifted this heaviness away from me. And we weren't able to put our family back together again because she wasn't interested in that. Yeah. But we were able to get along and raise our kids together in a good way. Sometimes the road doesn't look like what I thought it would look like or what it should have looked like. Right. And maybe people listening to this will feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But I think God gives me adversity to strengthen me. God gives me suffering in life to make me more powerful and make me able to move through it and become the very best version of myself. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't faced with that adversity, I'd be emotionally and psychologically crippled. I mean, imagine someone who's the son of a very rich man, never has to work, never has to worry about anything, never has to deal with anything. That's the absolute worst thing you can do to someone. That's hell on earth. It may sound like heaven, but it really isn't because that person's never been tested and they know that they're lacking. Everyone needs to be tested at some level. And God gives us that great gift of being tested by life. And I've been tested by life many times. I'm being tested by life this week. Mm. Yeah, we have an interesting relationship with hardship and suffering. And I think our desire for comfort 
our desire for security can keep us from actually embracing what you've described, the real opportunity that God might be offering us to know him more deeply, to understand ourselves more deeply, to understand life more deeply. Yes. Because you noted it earlier, suffering is a part of life. And so if something is a part of a thing and you try to avoid <laughs> that part, you're actually avoiding the thing itself and avoiding suffering. If suffering is a part of life, we may actually be avoiding life itself. Yeah, that's actually very, very brilliantly put. I mean, Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and life to the full extent. And he wants us to have full life. And meanwhile, we're actually resisting it. And so if suffering is a part of life, if suffering is something that God can use, what are some of the things you've learned about how to embrace those moments, how to stay at the table, how to step forward when the road seems rocky or unknown? I really don't see that I have any other choice. Hmm. What happened in this past week or so has forced me to step up my game forced me to very quickly cut off ties with this particular individual and with some other individuals and move forward to forge new relationships. I do what I do with being a guest on podcasts because I want to grow my network, my contacts, my audience. I want more people to know who I am. And that way I'll grow my business and I'll grow my business. I'll be able to better take care of my family, myself, and I'll be able to serve the clients who really need the type of help that I provide. That's what I'm here to do. And I'll only do it if I can look the adversity that God sends me squarely in the eye, stare it down. If I give in and go, oh, forget it. Mm-hmm. Like that'd be easy to do. A past version of me would have looked at what happened this past week and say, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. But the version of me today is, screw that, I'm doing this. And I'm going to up my game and I'm going to do it bigger and better than I've ever done before. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting too about how God utilizes suffering is as we're going through it and he teaches us more about himself, about ourselves, about how life works, we carry that with us. And so you told the story about you and your wife. And one of the things that God revealed to you in that is the destructive power of blame. Like even if there were justifiable <laughs> things that you were thinking, you realize the negative impact that that could have, the unredemptive elements that that could bring about. And by releasing that, you might've had to release some other things like, oh, I want her to take ownership of this, or I want this to be fixed. But you realize there's something bigger. God use that as an opportunity to say, yes, I get this, but I'm trying to do something bigger than all that. And you were able to come to this place of peace. And now when you go into other situations, you're carrying that truth with you. And now you have this one for this past week, and you're going to go into future situations, having a deeper understanding of how do I deepen my wisdom of who to bring around me and who to give a mic to, (laughs) both on a practical and figurative level. But it allows us to go into future situations, knowing more deeply who God is, who we are and how he's calling us to work. But to your point, If we avoid hardships, if we avoid suffering, then we're also avoiding those truths. We're avoiding those lessons. We're avoiding that maturing that can happen in our lives. Yeah, amen. Amen. Well said. The purpose of life is for you to be able to learn to make better decisions and not put yourself in situations that will cause you the same level of adversity. So I learned from my divorce how not to be in my next relationship, Paul. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't think I learned from my divorce how not to never get divorced again. Mm -hmm. I just learned how not to be. I learned what ways don't work with women and that was good. Yeah. But I also learned that regardless, there'll be an area in my life where I haven't got it all figured out and God's going to send me a lesson. And that lesson is going to entail some suffering. Mm. Let's say there's somebody listening who is currently in a space where it feels like a deeply oppressive space, kind of like what you described with your family before you were able to leave Iran. And they want to honor God and seek God, but it feels like suffering right now. If you could talk to that person right now, what would you say to them? I need to know more about what they're dealing with, man. There's like, I, like I said, I'm not a speculator. I'm not an abstractor. If you came to me and you said to me, my wife said she wants to leave me. I don't know what to do. I know what to tell you, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh -huh. But I don't deal in abstracts. But as we wrap up this conversation, I will say this to you. If anybody's going through suffering and they're going through pain and they want to have a conversation with somebody, I'm happy to talk. I've got a calendar link and just let me know you came through this show. I'm happy to have a conversation with you and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I'll give you 45 minutes of my time absolutely free of charge and give you whatever perspectives that I can to help you get past that. I think the thing that we need, God put us here to be social creatures and we need other people. And sometimes just having someone listen to our story is enough, yeah. you know, is enough to give us the strength we need to figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. If somebody did want to connect with you directly, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah. I got a website called ecircleacademy.com. It's a business website, but there is a link there that says book a call. Normally, I just want business people and business owners to do that. But if you come from this show, you can ignore that. Just hop on there and say, I was listening to Paul Granger's show. I heard you on there. I want to have a chat. And you can pick a time and we can have a conversation. Now, there's some business qualifying questions that I ask as part of this automated process. If you're not a business person, just put the answer in there saying, I'm coming from Paul's show. I want to chat. Yeah. <laughs> I won't screen you out that way. That'll be fine. We're all dealing with some pain, man. We're all dealing with something we got to deal with. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that we don't allow that to defeat us. Yeah. God didn't put us here to lose in life. He put us here to win in life. But he's going to test us first. Mm. And as we close out, is there anything else that God's putting in your heart that you want to share? We're living in tough times right now, chaotic times. And I know a lot of people are afraid. And they're not sure if they can survive, never mind thrive. Here's what I want to tell you. Chaotic and tough times are the times in history where the greatest victories in life have been born. Some of the greatest business successes happen in massive depressions. And what I want you to know, if you're listening to this, is that you can win. You need to believe. You need to believe in God. You need to believe in yourself. You need to believe that it's possible for you to win and thrive. There's a section in John 16 entitled, The Disciples' Grief Will Turn to Joy. And it begins in verse 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. 
Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. When Jesus shared these words, he knew the oppression that not only existed currently for the disciples, but that awaited them. He knew that when he was put up on the cross, they would fear for their lives. And he knew that when the Spirit came, the trouble wouldn't go away. What Jesus was inviting his disciples to was to recognize the reality that trouble would exist in the world, but also the reality that they did not understand reality. They couldn't even grasp what Jesus was saying. It stands to reason, then, that they might not have understood the reality around them, the reality that Jesus was inviting them to. For the disciples, the oppression that they had felt as the Jewish people for generations led them to long for a Messiah who would free them. And their understanding of reality and who that Messiah should be shaped how they interacted with Jesus. And more often than not, they didn't fully understand who Jesus was and what he was inviting them to. Yet Jesus remained. Jesus helped them navigate their hardships and prepared them for the trouble that would come ahead. As he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, he desired peace for them, but that peace came in him. And he could be that source of peace because not even the most oppressive of environments could overcome him, but rather he overcame the world. The fact is, most of you listening are likely not in an oppressive environment like Nikki described that his family lived in. Most of you are probably like me. Your beliefs do not put you at risk of death from day to day, but you may be experiencing oppressive environments in other ways. And the invitation that Jesus gave the disciples he gives to us no matter what trouble we face in our environment. He wants us to listen to his words, but not just to listen, but to hear them, 
to realize that we often don't understand what he's saying, but he longs for us to understand. He's patient with us as we wrestle with the meaning. And because he knows that in this world there will be trouble, he longs for us to understand that our goal should not be to avoid trouble. In fact, rather than our default response of running from trouble, Jesus invites us to run to him. This is where we can find peace, no matter what our circumstances are. This is where, if we feel like we are being overcome, we could see Jesus overcome. If you, right now, feel like you are in an oppressive space, I want to encourage you that scripture is filled with stories of others navigating that very challenge, and God was with them. As needed, God was provider, or healer, or guide, or father. He was with them when they needed it, and as they needed it whether or not they could see it. And if you can't see it right now, I want you to know that God is with you, that Jesus longs to be your peace, and that whatever you think is overcoming you, Jesus has already overcome it. What could it look like to trust that in the hardest of spaces? To trust that, look at our environment and say, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com slash revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free, get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?